Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Good evening, folks. This is April 22nd, 2015. It's episode 62 of Maine Exposed. The content of this show is for educational purposes only. Take it away, Dottie. Thank you, Leon. Good evening and welcome, everyone. I'm Dottie LaFortune. I'm here with my host, co-host Phil. Good evening, Phil. Good evening, Dottie. How are you? Good evening. We have Lee's joining us tonight, too. Lee's DuPont, our main researcher and author of Where Did the Original Constitutional State Go? And everybody should get a copy of this. It's a, a, a lot of information that you need to know about, as well as legislators. Good evening, Lise. Are you there? Oh, yes, I'm right here. Hi, Thank buddy. you, Lise. The reason I was saying get on the show is because you and Phil were talking about some real good things, and I wanted Oh, well, to- we're going to be talking, yeah. We're going to be talking about that tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil, last week... We uh, were talking about, or you were discussing LD-652, which is uh, the constitutional carry bill, and uh, we were supposed to go into uh, LD-161, the uh, an act to ban the United Nations agenda Mm in Maine. Well, you've uh, got some updates from uh, during the week on LD-652 that we're going to get into. Uh, before we get to the other LD. And um, you're going to give us an update on the uh, workshop that never was. <laughs> supposed to be a, a workshop on LD-652. Uh, and that was postponed. You want to start in with that? Sure. But I, I would want to reiterate something Um I started off last week's show with the fact that people are not um, really interested in what goes on in Augusta, and and because they're they're not involved, the legislators have a tendency to um, do what they want. And after a while, they develop this kind of an idea that um, they're they're all powerful and that they're they're uh, they're in charge rather than the people. And uh, be, because of this, they uh, they they do what they want there. And I and I had asked the people if they'd uh, take some time out of their life and and take a trip to Augusta and to attend a few of these meetings, and they would get some sort of an idea as to what's going on. Um, but I, I wanted to add this: that I've noticed over the years now that there's three type of legislators. There's the legislator that knows what they're doing. Then there's the legislator that thinks they know what they're doing. And then there's the legislators that wonder what the heck happened. (laughs) Post-turtles. Yeah. Post-turtles. Do you know what that is? You you already know what that is. I brought that up to them when we were up there. That that was funny. Are those the new ones? Pardon me? Are those the new ones that come in that don't know what they're doing? Well, yes, what and, and, and that's, a, that's a good point, but there are some of them that have been there for a while who still don't know what they're doing. That's right. They don't get it, Lise. And, and um, if, if, if I go back to that beginning where I say that there's legislators that know what they're doing, um, some of them are very dangerous because they do know what they're doing, and, and they're not doing it for the people. They're doing it for their own agenda and for their own reason and for their own party. And then there's the legislators who know what they're doing because they want to do for the people. These are the legislators who study the bills and and uh, try try to do their best job. But even those legislators that know what they're doing, 
don't read the Constitution. And, th- and this is where the problem is, is that if the legislators don't read the Constitution and if the people don't read the Constitution, then the people don't know what is going on there. So there, there's the three type of legislators, uh, the, the ones who know what they're doing and the ones who think they know what they're doing and then the ones who don't know what happened. They, they wonder what happened. Now, well, you know, time, they shouldn't be sitting there, Phil. Well, you're 100% right. Um, here's what happens. And, and I discussed this with a few people already, too, and they, they, they agree. Um, a person gets elected, like you or I run for, for office, and, and um, we get elected, and then we're invited down to Augusta, and you know there's a big ceremony that goes on, and they, they put you through the ceremony of, of raising your hand and... and uh, and, and and before the eyes of God, take an oath of of uh, supporting both the U.S. and Maine constitutions. But what happens after that is the party gets a hold of them and kind of guides them, or I should say misguide in, in many cases, and uh, sets them down the wrong road. And, um, and instead of studying the law and studying the Constitution, they they wind up just being led like sheep. And because the people don't read the Constitution, they, they think that by voting a person in that they like, that that person believes in the same thing they do, that that person is going to change the uh, the, the way government does business, but it, it winds up to be the same thing all over again. Uh, a, a friend of mine passed this paper on to me, and he says, you, you, you'd enjoy reading this, Phil. And uh, I, I want to read it to the people today because it kind of – sets things uh, in, into the right direction. This was written by Thomas Jefferson, and I'm still trying to figure out the date that this was written, but it was a letter uh, by Thomas Jefferson. He was our third president. And um, I, I, it might have been after he was president, and I'm not sure, but I'll, I'll read it to you now. He says, I am greatly saddened to see what has happened to the gift that we gave you, the people, so many years ago. We sacrificed so much to provide you with the blessings of liberty. Many of my friends lost their homes, their fortunes, and some of them even lost their lives, paying the price for liberty you take for granted. We knew that our future generations would one day lose the liberty that we fought so hard to obtain if they did not heed our counsel and adhere strictly to the Constitution. We knew that the Constitution would protect future generations only if they were willing to defend it. The two problems that will tend to appear are apathy and ignorance. Only an enlightened and well-informed people are capable of choosing the most worthy candidates. It is my humble prayer that a sufficient number of you will do everything in your power to reclaim the gift of liberty by taking the responsibility to study the founding documents upon which this great nation was founded. To save our nation from tyranny, you must personally take the responsibility to educate yourself on the principles of individual liberty and personal responsibility. You must be morally strong and eternally vigilant. Signed, Thomas Jefferson. Isn't he the one that also talked about there needs to be a revolution every once in a while? Yes, and, to, and for the blood to uh, feed the tree of liberty. Yeah. What, what a fantastic man. And he had that vision that he knew. He he. he these people were scholars. They had studied the past histories of people, and and you know over the five thousand years before they came along, and and they they knew what they were doing. They were being led by the hand of God, I believe, and um, they they knew that there would become a time where there would be apathy and ignorance. And boy, I'll tell you today, that sure as heck fits right into what we're going to be talking about. Oh. It's not their fault because uh, there's a dumbing down of America that's going on. It's been going on for years, over 100 years. Well, we were all dumbed down, so what happened to that's us? That's right. Yeah, I was just as dumbed down as anybody else. I mean, we we rose up above all that. Um, 
Yeah. Whether we were kicked in the butt by by a, a spirit of some sort or however you want to look at it, but uh, we, we came out of the hole that we were in and, and we rose up. Yeah. So um, let's get to to uh, what happened at the uh, Sacred Halls of Augusta. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, go ahead. You know, at the workshop you're talking. At the workshop, right. All right, the one that was postponed. Right. Well, the, the right. workshop wasn't postponed. It was the bills that were postponed at the workshop. Now, practically every bill was discussed in in, in some manner uh, or another, and uh, they they did work uh, the bill LD six hundred, and we could talk about that. But they did uh, table every other bill ba- based on the fact that Eric Brakey uh, was at a meeting, a, I believe a libertarian meeting somewhere in this country. I, I don't know which one. And Ricky Long uh, made a request that. Um, all the bills get tabled based on the fact that um, if 650, uh, 650, what's that number, 652? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. if if that bill uh, gets passed, it's going to impinge on all the other bills. So rather than to work on the other bills first and then have this work out and then they'd have to go back and rework the other ones, they they just tabled every one of them, but they they did discuss every one. But... um, I, I sat next to two two journalists, and uh, one was for the um, Portland Press Herald, and the other one was from the Bangor Daily News. And um, there was also a a state policeman there who um, is in charge of of um, the issuing of, of firearm permits to to people who who put in the request. And he was there as a uh, resource to the council members that were sitting around the table. But um, they they started getting into the discussion of of uh, LD six hundred, and, and let me jump into that just for uh, for a little bit. What LD six hundred was, and if I could get that up real quick here. Um, LD 600, an act to conform main law regarding persons prohibited from possessing firearms with federal law. That's correct. Now, basically, what they were trying to do is to com- combine the federal law with the main state law, mostly on, on um, uh, victims, uh, people who are married, people who are abused, um, uh, people who go to court and are convicted of, um, oh, geez, what do you call that? Domestic abuse. Dom- domestic uh, abuse and domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, this legislator, his name is Pickett, he, he's the one who introduced this into um, into the committee. And many times the, the uh, committee members would request the state policeman to uh, answer some questions of, of law. And the co-chair asked the state policeman uh, some questions. She says, I'd I'd like to have you um, bring me up to date. She says, I don't know anything about these laws on firearms. This is a co-chair of that committee? That's correct. What's her name? Well, um, I I can't remember it right now. Foley, Foley, something like that. Foul? Representative Foul, F-O-W-L-E? Yeah. And, and I elbowed, I elbowed the the journalist next to me, and I said to him, and I and I leaned over to the other journalist too, and I said, if you were elected into the the, the position that these people are in, and you were placed on on a committee such as this, and you knew these bills were coming up, um, would you not read the bills and get to know what they mean and and how they work? And they they all shook their heads, yeah. And I said, um, does it seem like many of these people who are on this committee are, are overwhelmed with with uh, how these bills work? Um, do you think that they're qualified to create law? And one of them says, well, Phil, I'm really not in that position to answer that. I said, look, you're, you're a citizen of Maine. Um, these bills all affect every one of us uh, one way or another. Um, I, I don't think they're they're qualified to uh, to create law, 
And he says, well, yeah, when my mother, you, you say that, um, yeah, I, I guess you're right. They aren't qualified. But anyway, uh, they they wrote their articles, and um, they they didn't mention anything on the fact that these people didn't know the law. Um, I, I, I want to read part of what one of these journalists uh, wrote. He's uh, He's quoting Pickett, who said, this is really, really an important issue. No one wants to cause somebody not to be able to possess a firearm. I am all about the Second Amendment's right to bear arms. I'm going to stop there for a second. I am so tired of a Maine legislator quoting from the U.S. Constitution. It's the Maine Constitution that they work under. Even though that they give the oath to the U.S. Constitution, they, they work directly under the main constitution. When you say to them, do, do you know that there's a uh, section in the main constitution that discusses the right to keep and bear arms, and they give you this blank stare, they don't realize that Article 1, Section 16 uh, mirrors the U.S. Constitution, but it goes on one step further. Instead of saying uh, that um, you've got the right to keep and bear arms and that shall not be infringed, the main constitution says that you may keep and bear arms, and that shall not be questioned. So right away, uh, Pickett mentions the Second Amendment, not realizing that the Constitution of Maine has an Article One, Section 16. So he says, I'm all about that. I, I'm just not having firearms in the hands of people who have a, and get a load of this now, a tendency towards doing bad things and causing really severe injury and possible even death. And I don't want anybody to have uh, take this out of context. In no way, shape, or form do I ever want to see domestic abuse or people hurting each other. But when they come up and, and come up with this language that they don't want firearms in the hands of those who have a tendency towards doing bad things, you can't you can't do something to someone until they've actually created a crime. Could you imagine driving down the highway and a state policeman stops you and you say, "Well, what's wrong, officer?" And he says, "Well, I'm giving you a ticket for doing 70, even though you're only doing 55." And you say, "Well, why would you give me a ticket for doing 70?" Well, um, you might have a tendency to do 70, so I'm going to give you the ticket. I mean, you you've got to do the to do the crime before you get the ticket or have the action uh, placed against him. So he says that he doesn't want uh, firearms in the hands of people who have a tendency towards doing bad things. I mean, this is this is ridiculous, <clears throat> Phil, ridiculous. You know, on the other hand, you know, th this is the type of people who are making laws because they have tendencies. Mm. Uh, well, on the other hand, uh, haven't the legislators got a tendency to create law? Bad law. Unconstitutional law. Throw in jail for tendency. <clears throat> All right, here's the go. problem. Uh, you know, if someone has a tendency uh, to create a crime, don't you think that they'll find a gun somewhere? Well, it, <laughs> when when you when you create a crime, whether it's a gun or a knife or a baseball bat or a car or or, or your hands, you 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 choke somebody. What are you going to do? Chop off somebody's hands because they might have a tendency to choke you? Okay, okay, that, see, that's a good point also, but, I mean, having gun laws never prevents criminals or potential criminals from seeking whatever weapon they want and then go out and, and uh, do something to their target. Right. You see? So, so putting out these laws and then having this guy talk about tendencies and whatever is ludicrous. Oh, it most certainly is. Let, let me you continue. Know, well, go ahead. They're picking on, on the good people, you know, the law-abiding. Uh, anyway, with the criminal, because like Lee says, they're going to find a gun anyway. If they were really sincerely, um, uh, their idea was to get the hands, uh, uh, the guns out of the wrong hands. I personally know of someone whose weapons are in someone else's home, and I'm not going to go into the details, 
and this person doesn't have a right to be in possession of someone else's weapons registered to someone else. I've reported this. They don't care. But on the other hand, if somebody might have a tendency, uh, you know, we've got to take the hands out of all the good, uh, the guns out of all the good people's hands. Okay, but think about Goal it. This, here. But think about it this way: Don't we all have a tendency at some given moment where you know we're we're upset about something, or angry, or in a rage, or whatever that may last three minutes? I mean, don't we all have a tendency? At some all right, point? please. If you if you have a tendency, all right, you know, you might want to go, you know, punch a neighbor, and you change your mind. Yeah, this is a legislator that's deciding here whether he's going to create uh, a law here or not. But he's got a tendency leading towards, you know, he might. I mean, there's a difference between what you, you know, your tendency in your personal life, what you may do or not do, versus a legislator creating a bill, a law, don't you think? Well, that's the whole point. You, you, you have to violate a law before you have due process. And then during the due process period, that's when they can decide whether or not to take a weapon out of the home. Uh, I'm kind of worried about even using that word weapon because anything can turn into a weapon, a pencil, a pen, um, baseball bat, uh, spiked heel shoes, uh, and, and anything there can be considered a weapon. So what do you do? Take everything out of a house because a person has a tendency to have a violent behavior? Um, this this is just one one example as to what I'm saying is that the legislators use emotions and belief systems when they create law, and, and this is wrong. Yeah. It's unlawful. Yep. Well, let me continue here with uh, Pickett. Um, this this journalist says Pickett believes the measure would make it easier for police to remove firearms from individuals and get a load of this from individuals who may use them to harm a domestic partner or other family members. Who may use them. I know. Isn't this ridiculous? <clears throat> then um, Sen- Senator Burns um, re- really did a good job on this one here. Um, he said, you, you have to really, really think about what you're doing here, people. He says, we're talking about two critically important things. One is to protect people. That's what the firearms are for, or a knife or a baseball bat, is to protect people. And the other one is a guaranteed constitutional right. Now think about what I just said, constitutional right. There's no constitutional rights. The, the, constitutional, uh, the, the, the Constitution secures your rights, but it's not a constitutional right. But they, they, they use this constantly when they say this. But one is to protect the people, and the other one is to guarantee a constitutional right. And what he was talking about was the right to own and use property. So if you're going to take something away from someone who has a tendency, or you're going to take something away from a person who may use it inappropriately, um, you're, you're, you're taking them away from a person and they're not able to protect themselves any longer, and they don't have the right to own that property. So, okay, but so Burns was, was right on, on task on this one here. Okay, but here's another issue. Who gets to decide whether, who, whether someone has a tendency or not? <laughs> <laughs> you, you're just as good as mine, but... Um, but you see what I'm talking about? Yeah, w- without a doubt. Now, what they did... What at they one did, point in your life, can someone, whoever is in charge, I don't know who this person would be, but at what point, what happens if I go crazy at 80 years old? I mean, is that when I lose? Is that when I have a tendency? Or mm-hmm. do I have a tendency before that? And who determines that? That, that's I mean, a good question. You're crazier by the minute. It, it most well, it sounds is. like the legislators do because um, because they have a tendency to create all kinds of um, unlawful laws. Mm-hmm. So that tendencies. Is, 
but they got to have somebody, uh, the, uh, these field persons out there, they got to have field persons out there to, to make the decision as to who who has tendencies and who can't have weapon, that weapon, and whatever weapon. You see what I mean? This right. is getting crazier in itself by the minute. Well, that's that's why we have crazy laws, is we have crazy people making these determinations. And what they did was they brought it all the way down to a Class E crime. Um, now, a Class E crime is uh, stalking. Um, I forgot what the other thing was, but um, I, I don't remember what it was right now. But um, as, as, as little as a misdemeanor, now, now that this law has gone gone through, now they can take the firearms out of the hands of a person who has created a classy crime on domestic abuse. I think that's going to cause some problems in the future. Um, yeah. But I'm I'm not planning on hurting my wife, so it's not going to affect me. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't plan on killing my husband, so no. I think he. I but think it's the whole. It's the whole. I have any tendencies either. Right. It's the whole way that these bills are put together, yes. and then created into law. You know, it's just not right. No. But yet, you know, with all these laws on the books, uh, and people do file complaints, uh, because there's a violation of a law they created. A lot of times, it it will be ignored especially if it's against one of their own or a government or and they will ignore it and brush it under the rug for decades. Yeah, but what happens if you're, and there's a lot of this too, what happens if you're falsely accused of something uh, and now all of a sudden you are now uh, classified as having a tendency? Mm-hmm. You know, this, this can get way out of hand so quickly. Well, and these um, legislators went along with it. Yes, yeah, they, they they went along with it. As a matter of fact, Grabowski, and and every time I listen to him, I kind of cringe, and 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 I look at the facial facial expressions on a lot of the committee members and, and people that are in the crowd. I looked at the facial uh, configurations on the journalists that were writing down things as Grabowski was talking, and and. Um, Somehow he thinks that, that that people are listening to him and they, they, they think that what comes out of his mouth is, is great. But um, this this is something that, that he said that I, I think the people need to hear and understand. He said that we've got to stop domestic abuse and that he believes that taking firearms away from people who have this tendency or people who may have violent um uh, uh, activities using a, a gun. He said, here in Maine, uh, people have got to understand that that the word love means death. He said that? He said that. I elbowed the journalist that was next to me again, and I said, I hope you got that quote. Wow. Because, I mean, you know, how dumb and stupid can you get? I mean, what does oh. he mean by that, Phil? Well, um, I, you know, he's he's just looking at the uh, abuse issues here, uh, where people, I guess, think that they love each other, and you know, they they wind up killing each other. But I'll be darned if I have have a explanation on on, on that. But uh, the 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 journalist heard, the journalist saw, but the journalist did not write. <laughs> okay. Uh, see, I've had people in my office. Um, uh, I'll, I'll give you an example. It, it may not be a very good example, but I had a woman in my office. Her boyfriend uh, beat the crap out of out of her baby, mm. and and I mean injured him severely. And because DHS is involved in the case, and because I'm suspicious of DHS, anyways, uh, but I am aware of, of what what what's happened in this case. And she would say to me. Oh, but I love him. Mm. And I would say to him, and I think that's what this guy is talking about, about this love business. And then I would say to him, what is there to love? Mm. And, and you know, she would be taken aback that I would say something like that. What is there to love? He, he practically killed your child. Mm. And if you choose to go back to him, uh, you can't have your child because it's a danger to put your child in his presence. 
and and it and it takes. I'm telling you, I've had women over and over, all kinds of women. The guy would beat the crap out of her. He practically killed her. She comes into my office, all these black eyes and a broken shoulder and this and that and whatever. Oh, but I love him. You know, and we have to go through all that again. Well, what is it? Love, it practically killed you. But they confuse love with getting beaten, I guess. And I think that's what this guy was referring to. But I dealt with tons and tons and tons of cases like this. Well, I, I don't know what he, he meant by that either, but maybe one of these days we ought to, we ought to pin him down. Yeah, it well, most certainly isn't love. Well, enough of uh, LD, um, whatever, 600. Well, you know, while you're talking about Gwadowski here, uh, I was um, interested in knowing how their foyer came out. Remember they sent a foyer to the committee about um, Gwadowski? That was the the Gun Owners of America? Right. Right. And Gwadowski had a a list, uh, a confidential list of... uh, People who were denied for whatever reasons. Remember, we talked about that right. last. And um, they haven't had a response back from the foyer. Oh, you looked into and that? I looked into it, and I, yeah. I got a hold of Todd, and he said I emailed them to remind them of the acknowledgement deadline of yesterday. Mm-hmm. No so far. So he says they could have responded by postal mail, so we'll see. So they haven't answered the foyer, and the deadline was up yesterday. Well, he he sometimes thinks, or maybe all the time he thinks, that he could place himself over all other people. But he's he's just a legislator, and, I, and I'm not saying that in any disrespect, but a legislator is a public servant, and um, what what right does he have to obtain confidential material on people? There's a reason for the confidentiality. That doesn't mean confidentiality except for legislators i don't know we'll see where that's going to go so phil um was there anything that um else that happened with um how did the people come into this oh okay um yeah there was a a, another bill it was 823 uh we have to go back to when they heard all these bills and um this this was the week before, and uh, all the people were mulling around in the hall getting ready to give their three-minute presentation. And uh, I asked several people that were mulling in the hall if they were going to be giving any presentations on any of the other bills. And uh, some of them said, what other bills? You know, they were there just for that one bill. And I said, uh, didn't you know that there's seven bills that are being heard today? And said, nope, nope, this is all we, we have our, our focus on. Then it hit me, when they first came out with these seven bills, the LD-652, which was the uh, constitutional carry, had 92 co-signers on it. And I said to myself, I'm going to frame that. I've never seen a bill with that many people uh, co-signing a bill before. Then I kind of stepped back a second and I said, hmm, I smell a rat here. There's something wrong. When 92 people are all signing on here, and they're Democrats and Republicans and whatever. Um, we, we never see this. There's a reason why 92 people signed on. This is what I think. I think what they tried to do was to bring the people's focus in on one bill and one bill only, knowing that it was going to be the main focus anyway, and to take the focus away from all the other bills. Now, it didn't take my focus away from the bills, and I, I read every one of them, and I was going to give a presentation on every one of them, but they only wanted to give me 25 seconds on each bill. So I just gave my three minutes on the constitutional carry. But um, this bill, 823, uh, was sent over to the workshop to be, to be worked on, and it's called a, an act to upgrade the concealed handgun permit law. Now, that sounds like a pretty innocuous uh statement to upgrade, and uh, when, when you open it up and you, you read it, what it's all about is, is the issue, issuing authority. It, it deals with who hands out the firearm permits. Now, the way it stands right now is every municipality in the state of Maine has the right to issue a handgun permit for concealed firearms. Now, if the town decides that they don't want to do it, if the 
leaders of that town doesn't want to do it and they happen to have a police force, they could have their chief of police hand out the fire or the, the, the permits, or they could take the route of sending the whole thing to the chief of the, sta- of the state police. So the town can do it themselves, or they can have their chief or their mayor or the dog catcher, whoever they de- de- determine should be the issuing authority. They've got the sole right to do that. So uh, that's the way it stands today. But this bill here removes and strips completely that authority from each municipality and puts it solely into the hands of the chief of the state police. So the towns would no longer have that authority if this bill gets voted on by the committee. And what's that LD number? It's 823. So if if that happens, um, basically it's one more... It's one more chop out of the town, uh, one one more bit of strength that the local towns have. It's one more time that the local authority becomes weakened. The, we, we, we know for, for a fact that over the years, local control is becoming less and less a local control. It's becoming more and more of a state control. That's right, and my book shows that. Right. I'm glad you jumped in on that one because your, your right, whole so, book shows that. So where does the municipal association come into that? Okay. Now, the municipal, uh, what, what's the real name of that? The Maine Municipal, Maine Maine Municipal association. association. Right. Um, they're there to represent every municipality in the state of Maine. And normally what they, they do is they send out to all the towns uh, alerting the town. When I use the word alert, it's not an alert. It's, a, uh, it's, it's just a notification that there's a so-and-so bill coming up, and they really don't explain it with any, any, any great detail. So anyway, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm listening to all this stuff going on at the uh, workshop, and they're tabling, they're tabling, they're tabling. Finally, they table this bill, and then then there's no more bills to table. So I shoot over to the main municipal association, and I talk to the young lady behind the desk there, and I says, uh, I'd like to speak with somebody at the main municipal association to find out who dropped the ball on notifying the towns that um, they're going to be losing their authority. Now, prior to Friday at the workshop, and I failed to tell you this, I met with my own town selectman because I'm on the planning board, and uh, I made some copies of this bill, and I handed them out to my selectman. And I said, uh, were you aware of the fact that the legislators want to uh, work this bill? They, they, may, they may, yay, may say yay, they may say nay. Um, if they say yay, you guys leave, leave, lose your authority to uh, hand out pistol permits. And I said, like hell, they can't do that. And I said, yes, they can do that. And well, we didn't know anything about that. And that's what gave me the idea to go to the Maine Municipal Association after that workshop. So after uh, speaking with, with someone there at the Maine Municipal Association, it was almost 4 o'clock, it was Friday, it was the uh, day before a three-day vacation, and they all couldn't wait to get the heck out of there. They were just going out of there in droves. And they weren't able to get anybody so I could sit down. So they gave me a telephone number and they said, call up Tuesday and um, see if you can't uh, get a hold of somebody. Well, um, yesterday I started off bright and early putting in telephone calls. And then I had to do some shopping. I came back home again. Nobody responded to my telephone calls. So I, I did the telephone calls all over again and um, left messages. Nobody called me back. This morning, I do the same thing. And um, I get in touch with the person who is ahead of the uh, Department of State and Federal Laws dealing with uh, main municipal towns and cities. And um, and I said to him, basically what I said to you is that um, I spoke with my selectman, et cetera, et cetera. And he says, geez, uh, we, we sent out a notice to all the towns. And I said, well, 
was how how did you formulate that notice? He says, well, we just notified him that you know this bill was coming up, and I said, well, if I read the beginning of this bill and it said an act to upgrade the concealed handgun permit, I'd say, great, let's upgrade it. If I was a town official. So he says, well, um, I guess you're right. We really didn't emphasize that very much. And I said, well, look, uh, this is Wednesday. Friday they're going to be doing the um, the workshop all over again. How are you going to get a hold of everybody in the towns now to alert them to the fact that they're going to lose their authority if the legislators feel that they uh, should put this into the hands of the chief of the state police? And he says, well, geez, I, I, I don't know. And I said, well, we're losing time here even talking about it. I would think that uh, you would notify the towns as soon as I get off the phone. And he says, well, I can't get them to read everything I send to them. And I said, well, wait a minute. When I, when I send out an email to everybody on my list, if I really want them to read something, and I red flag it by saying, this is an alert, you must read the contents of what I'm sending to you. So uh, can can you do that? And he says, well, I, I guess I can. I said, well, I'll tell you what. I'll be waiting for you to contact my town. So in the meanwhile, I called up a few people that I trust, and I uh, explained to them what I just explained to you. And I said, uh, I'd like to have you contact members of your, your town who would be getting this alert just to see if the main municipal association is going to follow through in alerting the towns that they may very well be losing their authority. And uh, several people got back to me and said that they had called up their, their town, they called up their friends that are uh, responsible in their town, and that they hadn't been notified as of yet. So, as of Really? The, I mean, yeah. this late date, this, yeah. this is coming up Friday, and they yeah. haven't heard from them. You yeah. know what's bothersome about that, Phil, when you go on their page, the MMA page? Mm-hmm. They're connected with the National League of Cities. Uh, so how is you know, a local thing when you're nationally connected? That's a good, uh, good question. But, you know, from everything that I've read about the Maine Municipal Association, their job is to bring the towns into compliance with state laws. That's what their job is. So... If, if if they're not happy with this bill here and they alerted the towns or whatever, if the legislators do decide to take the authority away from each town and they make the chief of the state police the issuing authority here, um, they're just going to tell the towns, you suck it up. Um, you know, that's the law now, so you got to follow the law. Okay, now what is it that the towns can do about this? Well... All the horses are out of the barn right now, and they're miles away from the from the barn door. I I don't I don't know at this late date what they could do. Um, laws can be created, laws can be taken away. Um, I I guess um, if if this becomes a reality, I guess if the towns realize that the main municipal association has failed in their job by notifying the towns ahead of time and alerting them that they are going to lose their authority. Um, that a legislator or maybe even the governor, who the heck knows, can create an emergency legislation to uh, give the people back their authority. Uh, this is wrong. Since when do we allow the state to, to take the authority away from a town? It, 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 um, it, it, well, Phil, it kind of goes along with what you said earlier. You know, you've got the post turtle sitting in Augusta and the post turtle sitting at city councils. Mm-hmm. And they sit there with the duh, you know. Um, what do you do when you've got people sitting in these positions? The only thing is recall or try to wake up the voters. Yeah, but I'm don't put these people allow, back in. Okay, let's say that that the towns were all notified in the cities and so on and so forth. What are they supposed to do? Well, if they had time. They could have attended the the public hearing, and there the, there should have been a line of public officials from from the door all the way outside the the 
the state house building. That's how long the line should have been. And they should have been all town officials saying, don't take my authority away. I may already use the state police, but at any time I can change that. Our, our town can decide that we don't want the state police doing it anymore. Uh, we don't want our, our, our uh, the, the chief of the police could, could have been there saying, look, I'm the issuing authority. Given, given that authority through my uh, town, town leaders, um, I don't want to lose that authority. These people could have all showed up to that public hearing. But because they didn't know there was a public hearing, number one, why? Because the Maine Municipal Association really didn't red flag this in such a way that the towns realized that they were going to lose their authority. Um, it's too late for the public hearing right now. But what well, they, it sounds what they like it was kind of planned, Phil, don't you think? Well, I'll tell you, it was it was successfully carried out. And I had a feeling that this is exactly was what was going on when I read the first front page of the constitutional carry. Ninety-two legislators signed on to that. They made that one bill the focus, and they took the focus away from all these other bills thinking that they were just going to sneak them right in. So um, I... Was that on purpose? Not I, I believe they did. I believe they did. From the towns. Say right? that again. Say that one more time. So it sounds to me like they did it on purpose to not give enough ta- time for the town's folks to, to uh, represent themselves d- down there in Augusta. You're right. Okay, so so this is all done on purpose, so then they could take away power from the local control. Yep, just just one one more chip away from local control. That's right. That's right. So coming up Friday, there's going to be a workshop on this bill. That's correct. So this hasn't passed yet. Nope. They're still talking about it. Well, there's there's one more thing, and and I've got to mention this, but see, you have to realize that it's the town's authority that's at issue here. There there's no other issue. But here's the issue that they would like for you to think: if 652, which is the constitutional carry, if that bill gets passed, and people are allowed to not only open carry but to carry a firearm in their pocket, in their purse, in their jacket, um, wherever they want to carry it, if if that becomes a reality, there are still people who would like to be able to have a firearm permit for the sole use of traveling out of state and going into other states. Now, that's one of the reasons why I have a concealed firearm permit is I used to visit Vermont and New Hampshire quite often. I've got relatives and friends there, and I would call up the police department and let them know that I'd be traveling in their state, and they'd say, well, you do have a main uh, firearm permit, right? And I'd say, yes. And they said, well, that's all you need to do is to cover yourself with that. And there's, there's people who would like to uh, travel out of state and for, for that main reason of being able to carry a firearm in another state. And, and and most states would would uh, recognize in other states. So, so a permit is basically going to be used if you want to leave the state of Maine. That's correct. So so what they're saying is that well, would it not be easier to just let this uh, be done by the chief of the state police? Um, I, I spoke with two two state police who are really quite concerned about this. Um, they they look at this more uh, along the line of business rather than a constitutional issue, um, and, and and it was explained to me in this manner here, is that right now the chief of the police department aren't uh, isn't really the person who uh, decides whether a person can can have a firearm permit. There there's a staff staff members who who do this job for him. Uh, under his direction. And um, right now they're bogged down, they're booked so far back that sometimes it takes six months, if not longer, to for a person who's trying to get a pistol permit for the first time. There's just so, so many things that they have to do. 
So um, they're they're worried of this extra load of people coming uh, to to them saying, "Geez, I want a pistol permit." Uh, then I have to hire more members. But then there's the, the, then there's the issue that if the towns are no longer issuing, and if the uh, chief of the uh, police departments are no longer issuing, um, the, that that load isn't going to be there anymore if people can just carry a firearm. So the the state police really don't know what the number is going to be. So they're just worried that they're just going to be overwhelmed with people requesting a, a, a firearm permit. So they, they see no reason why the towns can't continue issuing a uh, firearm permit if they wanted to uh, maintain that, that firearm permit. You know, speaking of what you just mentioned uh, about the municipalities not knowing about this, you know, the representatives in every district, they talk when when they when they're in their hometown to their to their city councilors to their mayor you don't think that somebody mentioned this when they came back from Augusta well there are three types of legislators there are three types of legislators there are those who know what they're doing there are those who don't know what they're doing True. and then there's those who wondered what happened Yes, and and who who <laughs> suffers from all of these three types? We have we have a caller, um, a question. Want to take a question here or yes. comment? Yeah. Okay, Aroostic. Lee, wanna? Uh, hey, there hi, you Dottie. Go. Jack. Hey, hey, Aroostic. Hi, Dottie. <laughs> hi, Jack. How you doing? All right. Yeah, been okay. Hi, uh, Jack. What's up? Well, some of the things I don't know if you uh, got into it at all, Phil, but um, I've gotten a number of notices relative to the. Um, delay in the 652 uh, hearing giving the Bloombergers a chance to amass a huge um, offensive. They are doing an email campaign, a phone campaign, and um, paid uh, legal lawyer lobbyists uh, attacking the committee. Oh, no. Why would they want to do that? Oh, I can't imagine. <laughs> the the, the gun grabbers. There's a group that's. Uh, oh my God, not not threatening. I won't use the word threaten. Uh, other people get threatened, but no, no, um, he's threatening. He would he would threaten you to take your gun and your Slurpee. So as long as it's over sixteen ounces. So they're going after the criminal justice committee members. Yes. They're, they're, they are being swamped with calls, emails from concerned citizens. There's also ads being taken out. In All right, the, who are these uh, Bloombergers? Mayor Bloomberger. Or is he? Does he live in Maine? Of course not. Okay, so um, what's his concern? <laughs> his concern is taking your guns. Okay, and why should our legislators be concerned with uh, his tendencies in New York or wherever he is? Because he has money. Mm. Okay, so they're money, money, money talks, huh? Money talks. Yeah. Money well, that's nice. talks. That's right. Okay, so again, it, it always comes down to what are we willing to do as people? You honored, You asked earlier... Well, how can they do that? Well, because they aren't talking, because we aren't vigilant. We are the ones that have to go into the town office. We're the ones that have to go into our our city council members or our town councilors uh, and demand, not ask. We have to demand Mm -hmm. and tell them if they do, we will stop funding their criminal activity or we will... Um, do something else. We have to take some action. We can't just keep doing the blah, 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 educate, talk, discuss, get mad, go on Facebook and have a rant that does everybody a lot of good. Sure feels good when you're done, but nothing changes. Right. I'm, I'm real tired of, I am so tired of this. I'm really fed up. This is ridiculous. Really? When are we going to get to the or else phase. That's why Continental Congress 2009 failed, because the last two days, the or else phase was 
torpedoed by two lawyers. Mm -hmm. Two lawyers for whom I have a great deal of respect, except for the fact that they were not willing to take a chance on endangering their their law practice by making a line in the sand. So the reality is they weren't really willing to get into the do phase, just the talk phase. Well, you can talk to your blue in the face and nothing is going to change. That's what they count on. And they count on us being engaged in every side issue, every little side issue. You know, we're, we really are stupid. Let's jump into it. Let's take the offensive instead of being on the defense. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, when I, when I go to these hearings and when I go to these workshops, I, I look around and, and there's always the same handful. It may be one, maybe five people who represent 100 people, but it's, it's always the same people. Mm-hmm. And, and you never see that massive crowd angry. And, and, and when I it's all over, the they is. will be. Well, this is true, and, and I, I don't ever want to see that day, and that's why I do what I do. Well, maybe we ought to see that what's happening here. The, with what you mentioned, Phil, the whole idea that the Maine Municipal Association didn't bother to tell the towns that they were going to lose their local control, and the... Um, committee putting this off for a week and Bloomberg having time to uh, amass a television ad campaign in Portland. Hmm. Interesting. And how many of our, how many of those representatives, uh, what, what percentage are from South of Augusta, Augusta and South? Uh Uh Uh, I I don't think Bloomberg is going to run any ads in Aroostook County no. Or or Hancock County, no, or Washington Definitely County. Definitely not. Or County either. Yeah. So, again, folks, my wow. question is, at the end of everything, when are we going to engage in civil disobedience? The lawyers know. The assistant district attorney in Caribou told me flat out, plainly, nothing is going to change with what you're doing, Mr. McCarthy. I know what you're doing. I understand. And in many respects, I agree. But nothing is going to change until large numbers of people engage in civil disobedience. Good luck, Mr. McCarthy. We speak two different languages. Boy. Wake up, people. Now I'm depressed. It's going to change. (laughs) Oh, Jack. Well, are you guys going to the to the uh, workshop? I am. Um, is this something, right. Phil, that you can bring up? No, because you, you're not allowed to uh, to engage in anything at these workshops. Right, but what about before? Can't you give them something before and say, you know, we know what you're doing? Well, what's uh, good with that? Though? They, they, they say, what are you doing? That's more talk. Oh, I don't know. It, short of what Jack is saying... Uh, Unless well, I, the people the people go to their own reps that are sitting on that committee. Yep. Well, that's that's something they can do too. Um, that helps. It, it sure as heck does. They should now, all they should all get calls. I've called every one of them. Yep. Left a message. Not one of them has answered me. Not one of them has returned my call. My 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 call to them was very simple, very respectful, not not overpowering, just a simple. We need you to follow the law. In case you don't know what it is, this is the law. Hey, Thank Jack, you do, you have, do you have the list right in front of you of, of the members on that committee and where they're from? Well, I can get it for you. I do. I do. All right, I'm just wondering, Phil, if we should name everybody and the town or city that they uh, are representing. Well, I don't And beg have to the people that. who listen to the program... If this is your representative, call them. Even if it's not. Yeah. Okay, even if it's not, you're right. Yeah. But the ones who are in their districts, vote for them. And outright say, you're done. Mm. Uh, this is your last term. No vote for you, because that's all they care about. Okay, you want the just, list? 
do you, I want the, I I think we public publicly give the names right I, now bef- before we I end the program. The I did this on the radio two weeks ago. I'll read you the whole list. It's right in front of me. And tell us where they're from. Sure. Senator Kimberly Rosen, Hancock. You want the phone number? Go ahead. Okay. 469-3779. Kimberly Rosen, Hancock. Senator David Burns, Washington. 733-8856. That's Senator David Burns. Senator Stanley Jerzowski, Cumberland, 373-1328, Krasowski. Uh, Laurie Fowle, Basselboro, 649-4863, Fowle. Justin Chinchette, Sacco, 59 Five nine three two six six five nine zero three two six six. That's Jeanette uh, Davitt of Hamden. Eight six two eight one one three. Eight six two eight one one three. That's Davitt of Hamden. Uh, Garish of Lebanon. Six five one five four five two. Six five one five four five two. Garish. Karen Garish. Um, Michael LeJoy of Lewiston, 783-1927, 783-1927, Michael LeJoy. Representative Rick Long, Sherman, 365-4704, 365-4704, that's our buddy Rick Long. Um, Catherine Netto Winslow, 557-1587. Five five seven one five eight seven Catherine Netto Winslow uh, Timothy Terrio uh, China six four nine four four three four six four nine four four three four Timothy Terrio Michael Timmons Cumberland six five three nine seven eight three six five three nine seven eight three Michael Timmons Cumberland Karen. Uh, oh no, Charlotte Warren of Howell, four four one nine one one six four four one nine one one six Charlotte Warren Howell. It's important that we call them all, no matter what town, city, whatever, because they are the committee that will put this into or keep it from the legislature. So everybody should call them at least once or twice or six times or whatever. And I think the important thing is is to tell them, do not take away the local control and local authority away from my town. This is my town. They work for me. You work for me. Well, it's also we need that to come the constitutional carry to come out as an auto pass. This is all yeah. going to be done on Friday. Right. If I get to it here in just a second, I'll read you the very simple script that I made up for this. Here it is. As you consider the bills in your working session today, I ask for an ought to pass on LD 652 as your mandate is to pass no repugnant laws per Article 4, Part 3rd, and Article 1, Section 16 says write twice and never questioned. Thank you. My name, town, Please contact the committee members right away at the following numbers. And that's there you go. That's the rest of them. That's that's good, Jack. And people who are uh, listening to the program, the ones who are going to listen to it probably tomorrow, make those phone calls and help out all of the people who are trying to help you out. Um, we're asking you on this end. Please do your part to help. And with that. Um, Phil, is there anything else uh, that you want to discuss on this so that next week we go into the Agenda 21? Well, um, Jack is 100% right. We can't do it alone. We can't do it individually. We can't do it as groups. We've got to do it as a as a public whole. Uh, all the people need to get together on this. And if I could read off the last three paragraphs here, which really um, zero in on that, And this is, again, from Thomas Jefferson. He says, 
we knew that the Constitution would protect future generations only if they were willing to defend it. The two problems that will tend to appear are apathy and ignorance, and that's what we have here. Only an enlightened and well-informed people are capable of choosing the most worthy candidates. It is my humble prayer that a sufficient number of you will do everything in your power to reclaim the gift of liberty by taking the responsibility to study the founding documents upon which this great nation was founded. Last paragraph. To save our nation from tyranny, you must personally take the responsibility to educate yourself on the principles of individual liberty and personal responsibility. You must be morally strong and eternally vigilant. Thomas Jefferson. Okay, there's just for the heck of it, I'm going to put in the chat room, there's a conference call that just started at 10 o'clock um, about taking over um, Republican precincts. Um, worth worth the listen just to get some pointers on uh, how things get done. I'm going to po post that here right now for you, just in case you want to get in on it, guys. Thank uh, you, Jack. Thank you, Jack. Where is it? Thank right here. Thank you, Jack. You're welcome, guys. I hate to always be saying, "Well, you should have, we should have," but we got to get we got to get serious here, guys. We just absolutely have to get serious. Didn't get the last part of it. Here it is. Uh, here it goes. These dumb things you can only put so much, so many, so much text into it. I know it. The number is not showing up. So there it is. There okay, is. there it is. Okay, Network Jack. America. Thank you. Okay, okay. Guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Jack. Hang in there, kids. Thank, thank you. you. Okay, so Phil, you got to wrap up. I did. I just wrapped okay. up. Okay. Lise, how about you? <laughs> uh, I don't have any more to say. Okay. Well, I think we've uh, pounded this one. Yep. <laughs> uh, LD652 for <laughs> pounded it to a pulp, hopefully. Uh, and um, let's let happens at, at the workshop. Phil, you're going. You can give us a brief uh, update next week so that we'll do... Um, <laughs> Part three, uh, and get to the uh, United Na um, United Nations Agenda Twenty One. Same yep. thing yep. next week. Okay. Okie dokie. All righty, get out there, people, and make those phone calls to your state reps. Please do that. Yep. You know, we need your help. Please help us. We're helping you. Just please do the same for those who are trying to help you. And with that, I'm going to say good night. Uh, and we will see you all next week. Good night, all. Good night. Yeah, goodbye. All right, thank you. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.